Coming here at a, as an 18 year old and you know leaving as a 22 year old is just you know it's kind of weird. I I really grew up here. I became a man here. It's very emotional. My mom probably is out there crying right now, but it is what it is. All right, welcome into another edition of Boot Up, the LSU Basketball Podcast. Yes, I survived Disney. Harrison, uh, his cough is back though, so uh, I'm I am a little bit better for the wear. But Harrison, you sound like crap. We 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 need a Disney dispatch. Maybe maybe no Kent dispatch. But yeah, we need, we need a Disney dispatch. We just from you. bailed on the Kent dispatches. I feel like with Kent in Tampa for the SEC tournament, we really should do some kind of dispatch. Um, but I haven't thought of that. You, you know what the problem is with the dispatches? They keep getting intercepted. You know, just the the enemies. Um, they surround us and they keep intercepting Colonel Kent's dispatches. Um, so we have to come up with a more secure way. Do you, do you really want a Disney dispatch? I mean, I think the viewers deserve it. So obviously with the team in Tampa, we're about to talk about the SC tournament, but I, I think, you know, I was shortly over from Tampa at Disney. Um, we survived. There I'll were just a lot of people in, at Disney this week. A lot of LSU people at Disney last week. And uh, I missed quite the week of LSU basketball. And I guess we should recap some of that. So, if I'm doing this from memory, um, I, I remember very vividly watching the Arkansas game from Disney. Uh, I was not; uh, it was Disney was not the happiest place in the world at that moment for me. Yep. Um, that game was very frustrating. And then I watched. Uh, don't tell. Don't tell people this. Probably I don't know that I should be admitting this publicly. But I watched the other the the Alabama game on the way home. I had my phone up and had it playing, so I was listening to it, but I was watching it as well. Um, much much happier result there. And then uh, what was the game preceding that? Was it? Where was LSU on Saturday before? Oh, was it Missouri at home, right? Missouri at home. Yep. So those were the three games uh, since our previous episode. Sorry, Disney erased my memory. I yep. have no I have no brain functioning anymore. But hey, great time to hop on a podcast. So Harrison, it's going to be back with you. Good to be back. Um, I think we'll talk about those three games a little bit, but I really want to focus on for this episode is what's ahead because LSU is in Tampa for the SEC tournament, ended up with a five seed because they went two and one over the, those last three games. And I think that win over Alabama was huge. I think the performance, um, especially against Arkansas and Alabama, mostly encouraging. Uh, the Arkansas loss, of course, was frustrating for a number of, number of reasons, both the things that LSU could control and the things that they could not control made that extra frustrating. But if you're looking at the totality of 80 minutes of basketball, I think LSU's played 80 good minutes um, for the most part coming into this SEC tournament. And actually, I'm intrigued by both their draw in this tournament and their potential draw in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I think one of the themes that, you know, coaches talked about in the past week or so is that they've suffered some losses. They played really well. Uh, they've gotten some wins. But the good news is that they're playing closer to their potential, closer to the team that we saw earlier in the season. I think from the Vanderbilt loss, what was it, on February 5th or 6th, they, you know, they, they, they played every game hard and you know could have easily won all of them their, uh, their recent losses even you haven't really had the feeling that they took a step back in those losses yeah the, the Kentucky one you know that was that was tough but I came away from that game feeling good um, at Arkansas was just incredibly frustrating but you know they, they played their guts out um, you know I, I guess the easy narrative for us would be you know that maybe they're rounding the corner at the right time and um, that, that a run is coming so 
Yeah, I, I don't know that I'd go as far to say that they're rounding the corner at the right time. I think it's more that we just, when, when the right LSU team shows up, and I have a specific definition of what the right LSU team is, when the right LSU team shows up and plays for 40 minutes, um, they're, they're a good basketball team. They can win a lot of games. And when things go a little bit wrong, they get in trouble. And so there is a path for them to make a run here. It's a narrow path, but it's not a, a, a non-existent path. And so what I mean by when the right LSU team shows up, I mean basically Xavier Pinson's on the floor and Tari Eason's not in foul trouble. And if you have those two qualifications and you have you know some combination of Tari, Darius Days, uh, Brandon Murray, and Xavier Pinson on the floor, and then you can kind of rotate that fifth. Maybe it's Eric Gaines one night. Maybe it's Imwani Wilkinson another night. But if you have that core four playing 25 to 30 minutes a game, and then one of those other guys in there contributing, you're, you're a really good basketball team that's going to win a lot of games and has a chance to be a, a, a real a real dangerous foe for anyone uh, heading into March Madness. Who would, so, you, who would you rather match up with in, in the SEC tournament? Is it uh, who are the two teams? So, yeah, so let's talk about the SEC tournament. So LSU draws Ole Miss in the first game, correct? Um, or they play the winner of Ole Miss and let's pull up the SEC tournament bracket. Something we should have done in uh-huh. preparation for this podcast but i've had Ole miss kind of penciled in but i think they play the winner of Ole miss in georgia and georgia georgia let uh laid off tom green or tom green's gonna finish the season but as soon as the season's done um they'll be moving forward but man where's this is why you got to have the kent dispatch because he's on top of this stuff and he knows all right here i got the bracket pulled up all right 2022 lsu uh, sec basketball tournament you've got missouri and Ole miss playing that's so LSU's thought, gonna okay. play yeah, yeah the winner of missouri and Ole miss i that's the second time in this podcast already that i've forgotten about missouri i apologize missouri uh my my, my condolences too much disney way way too much uh, the disney brain is uh it, it's still it's recovered bad. it's bad um I'm, it's like a it's like a hard drive that needs to be reset and i haven't been reset yet no matter how much coffee i drink and how many hey, diet it's, cokes it's I march say. it's a clean slate do you want to know it's how dumb slate. i am right now harrison you saw this already but i'll just tell the listeners when harrison walked in i cracked open a diet coke and placed it down on the table right next to another diet coke that i had just cracked open my brain just forgot that i had opened a diet coke and immediately opened another diet coke right next to it so i'm on my second one i might have to take a bathroom break here in a second it's is it true a, is it true that kim mulkey has like a diet coke every day i don't know i i'm honestly not the biggest diet coke drinker but when i don't feel like getting up to make a cup of coffee there's a fridge right next to my office it's like always stocked with some sort of diet beverage and so just in the name of calorie restriction i just grab whatever one's available i think earlier this week it was diet dr pepper today it's diet coke probably not the healthiest decision but I digress. So LSU um, plays the the winner of Missouri and Ole Miss on Thursday. Missouri and Ole Miss play at six tonight, so we're recording at two thirty. They play at six tonight, so we'll keep an eye on that game. And then Vandy and Georgia are playing in the other game. So LSU's got that as the number five seed, and, and credit to LSU for finishing out the season well enough to get that five seed because I think this the tournament actually plays out about as well as it could for them um, to to if they're going to make a run have. Uh, the chance to make a run. So if LSU wins that game on Friday, they'll play uh, Arkansas. And I am absolutely thrilled about that matchup. Not because, not just because I think it's a game that LSU can win um, because I think they can. I think in both games, they probably should have beaten Arkansas uh, and in neither game did they. It's hard to beat a team three times. It's hard to beat a team that kind of had you backed into a corner twice. It's hard to beat them three times. And so I like that matchup for LSU. Um, it gets a little bit tougher in the next round with Auburn playing the winner of game three, which would be A&M in Florida. You're probably getting Auburn in that game. That's a difficult game. But I'll say this. LSU's record 
uh, on the road this year was not good, but in neutral and home games, it was good. I think it was 16 and two, 18 and two, mm-hmm. uh, something like that. O- only two losses um, at home or, or neutral sites this year. Um, and so very, very successful in those types of games. I think this environment, they'll be a little bit more level footed with, uh, with Auburn in that one. Like, so, yeah, I think they had to have a couple things happen to, to get the five, right? I think their two wins over Texas A&M proved to be, proved to be large. Yep. Um, but I was the, I was at the presser yesterday and, it's a narrative that coaches said for a while that the the first game of the tournament is is essential. It's you know it's always tough to win that first one. Once yeah. you get over that hump, um, you can go from there. But they're going to put all their attention into this one and then and see where see where it takes them. It's a little hard to preview that game because we don't know who LSU is going to play. Uh, Ole Miss, you get that revenge game factor, right? Um, Missouri, you know the LSU just handled them pretty easily at home, so you like that matchup as well. Um, that Ole Miss game was weird to, to flash back to that because, as I've said on this podcast, I had a work dinner that night. Didn't get there until, I don't know, eight, nine minutes into the game, and LSU was down 39-19 or 41-19. Yep. Made, made a surge, come back, and, and fell yeah. short. And so for the rest of that game, I was like, wow, LSU is way better than this team. But, <laughs> you, you know, they outscored him by 20 the rest of the game, but they dug such a deep hole they couldn't get out of it. Um, the good thing is LSU's playing better from where they were during that stretch, where they were just really inconsistent. There's been a little more consistency lately. Um, you played Kentucky, you know, pretty well, pretty close, despite Tari Eason being, you know, hammered by foul trouble. Um, you probably should have won that South Carolina game, a game that you built a lead and gave it up, but you didn't. But but regardless, I think this last little stretch of games, you've sort of seen the better version of LSU. Harrison, Harrison. Violated rule number two. Rule number two, no coughing. You've already broken it. We're off to a bad start. Um, we do not support rule breaking on this podcast. I think LSU's playing a little bit better. I wouldn't go as far as to say as you did earlier, rounding a corner necessarily. But well, better the, than they were. Better better than they were. And like I said, when the when the right team is on the floor, this team um, can be really good. So do you wanna do you wanna dispatch from the Bama game for me since I was there? Or? Yeah, let's do it because before we do that, let's talk about the Arkansas game for two reasons. Okay. One, I think, um, wouldn't that be interesting, though, if LSU got Missouri and then Arkansas, who they just played, you know, that's yeah. the order they just played, and then could they feasibly get Alabama in that next game? I guess they feasibly could, or is Alabama on the other side of the bracket? I think be- they would get Arkansas. Or, oh, mm, they Arkansas could, and Auburn. They could get, so let's go to the bracket. So LSU would be playing in game number eight, which is Arkansas versus game four winner, if LSU advances there. And then the game eight winner plays the game seven winner, which would be Auburn or A&M or Florida. So, yeah, they wouldn't yeah. get Alabama. So they couldn't necessarily repeat that that trio of games. Um, but it's interesting that they could get Missouri and Arkansas after they just got Missouri and Arkansas back-to-back. But I want to, I want to start with the Arkansas game because Missouri game, LSU took care of business. That's what they needed to do. Um, it was a – I guess we can briefly touch on it, but – I, didn't, I, I didn't. think that was a that was a game that Days didn't score in the first half, and then had ten in the second half. You kind of had X with a few turnovers early against his former team. Tari kind of took over. You had balanced scoring. I think Sharif played really well in that game. Nine points off the bench. Like it was, it was just kind of a game that LSU dominated from start to finish. I'm looking at the win probability on Ken Palm, and it was always in the 90s. Like LSU was in control of that game from start to finish. They had a 13-2 run. They had a 15-0 run. They they just did what they do in that game. Um, the Arkansas game was interesting, and there's a lot to talk about from that game. I'll say this. I said it uh, on Twitter. I don't talk about block charge, um, but if I had to t- talk about block charge, I would talk about what a what a terrible th- plague it is on the, on the game of college basketball. And, look, I don't even blame Jalen Williams. Like, I know Jalen Williams is 
our, our fans are, are all over him. Uh, I don't blame him. He's taking advantage of the rules. He's doing what he's coached to do. He's making winning plays. Um, the call itself, I'm, I'm just done with it. I'm done with block charge. I don't, I don't even blame the officials at this point. I'm just done with the call itself. The rule needs to be made very, very clear um, about what qualifies as a block and charge. And I'm sorry, like sliding under a guy yes, after he's left his he's left the floor and he's off of his feet, sliding under him at that point is not only not a block or, excuse me, not a charge. Dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah. It's a dangerous, dumb play that should be eliminated from the game. It doesn't happen at the next level. And then that's not even talking about, you know, Tari going up for the shot, landing, and then when he lands, the guy taking a charge. Like, that's separate from that. That's just That was just a bad call. The rule has to be tweaked. Now, until the rule is tweaked, the calls have to be made better. So that's not to excuse the bad calls. The calls have to be made better. So, again, I don't talk about block charge. But if I did, that would be my thoughts on it. And You have 40 fouls in the entire game. is just mind-numbing. It was... Um, I don't get emotional watching college basketball typically. Maybe it for like an exciting ending, I'll get up or I'll get a little bit excited. Um, this was a, a game that I, that I was very very frustrated throughout watching. And and here's the other thing with the block charge stuff that, that drives me crazy. It's not just the call itself that impacts. Um, you know the, the 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 single charge, the single block, right? It's a turnover. It costs you a possession. Okay, that's that's not great. It's a missed call. It's that there's another foul on the guy's book. So Tari Eason fouls out at the end of that game. I think LSU has a lead when he when he fouls out. As soon as, Look, I'm sorry. When Tari Eason's off the floor for this team, if he can't finish a game for LSU, LSU's going to be in a very, very bad spot. They're going to be very, very disadvantaged when the SEC sixth man of the year, congratulations, Tari, and one of the best two-way players in the country isn't on the floor at the end of the game. And so when these calls are made, it may be a call at the end of the, the first half. It may be a call at the beginning of the second half. It has consequences for the rest of the game and impacts the rest of the game and it drives me crazy yeah well so, the ending was especially frustrating especially with that uh you know foul call in Milwaukee when the arkansas guy kind of he left his, that, feet left his feet that, that, that one i didn't mind as much because that was a bad play by by lsu lsu doesn't need to be even um remotely near fouling that player at that point. So while he did leave his feet, I can see the officials missing that, not seeing it. I don't. I don't think they can review that. That one didn't bother me as much. It bothered me because it you added on to the other ones and it it bothers me. But it didn't bother me as much because LSU did. LSU could control that, and so that's where that's where I get to the debate. There's the things that you can control and the things you can't. The things you can't control were the block charge and all that stuff. The things you can control is LSU continues to make some mistakes down the stretch. That being one of them, uh, missing free throws in some of these games has been one of them. The turnovers has been one of them, although against Arkansas, they only had 10, which was a much better number. There, there's a number of things they did in that six-minute game. Uh, one call we didn't even talk about, again, something LSU can't control is the hook and hold, which mm-hmm. if you go back and look at it, the hook was initiated on the other end and not by LSU. So the the, the frustrations that you can't control um, pile on. But there are many, many things that LSU can control that at the end of these games that they've got to do a little bit better. So they did those better against Alabama although there still was a bad foul at the end of that game for LSU, too, that was kind of frustrating, did it better in overtime, got the win. So this is all that to say this, what I learned from Arkansas and Alabama. This is a team that lives on the margins. They live on the absolute margins because you took away their best player at the beginning of the season or the guy that we thought was going to be their best player coming in, Adam Miller. You took away that guy, and so your margins are instantly thinner for that. And then just the way they play and with Pinson being – banged up throughout the season and not having a ton of depth there. It's a marginal team that's going to, uh, on any day, on the margins, can beat literally any team in the country. Would not shock me. 
But when those margins go the wrong way, whether it's the things they can't control, uh, unfortunate calls, um, a guy getting hurt, or it's the things they can't control, missing free throws, a couple turnovers here and there, bad decision, you know, late, late bad shot decisions, right? The, this team still has some shot selection issues. Whether it's the controllable things or the uncontrollable things, this is a team that lives on the margin. So that's why, like, if you're if you're trying to predict where this team's going to go in the SEC tournament or the NCAA tournament, good luck because your guess is as good as mine. I'm looking at my tweets now. There's definitely been a, uh, a positive theme over the past, you know, Attaboy, second, Harrison, way to make it positive. second half of the season, and that's that's days. I feel like he's definitely ra- like rounded into form. He's kind of ending the season like he started it. Um, played really well against Arkansas. I think he came out um, like six of eight from the field yeah. to start and 24 points, seven rebounds, three steals and a block on senior day. Will Wade called it um, one of one of his most complete performances of his LSU career. So that's really cool to see. Um, he's one of those rare kids in the sport that sticks it for four years, you know, shows uh, a commitment to his school and um, it, it was great to see him go out in style on Saturday and as he should, he deserves it. I think I'm looking at here like 11 straight games and double figures over his last three games. He is 8 of 14 from three, which is really good. Um, he was hearing some noise midseason, and, he, and, he, and he's backed it up. Yep, four, five of his last six games, he's had an offensive rating of at least 128 or better, and the worst one being uh, Alabama where he scored 24 points and was the, was the MVP of that game. So he is playing much better. I think he's gotten a little bit back uh, more to what he does best taking more twos, getting some more offensive rebounds. He's had multiple offensive rebounds uh, in recent games. He's had uh, more two-point attempts than three-point attempts in each of his last three games. Like, that's the formula for him. Don't settle from outside. Pound it inside. Um, be balanced. Take as many twos or more twos than threes. Love Darius Day. He's been a huge fan of his from, from, from day one. Always thought he would emerge into an all-SEC caliber player. He ended second team all-SEC this year. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's been the guy that we thought he could be, um, really all, all his career and all season, but especially these last few games after a little bit of a mid season kind of up and down patch, he's, he's really leveled out toward the, toward the end of the season. Yeah. I don't know. I know you tweeted, uh, quote tweeted me about how special that number four is at LSU. Yeah. Keith Hornsby, uh, Skylar Mays, Darius Days. There's, there's some leadership in that number four. Yeah. Whoever gets it next has big shoes to fill. I mean, you can go back to Stromile Swift and, and, and Jamie Brandon, as Matt Moscona pointed out to me on Twitter. I was thinking more just the recent guys that it's sort of passed along to. Um, it's been a special group, and Darius Days is definitely the fulfillment of that. I think while we're talking individuals, we got to talk about Tari Easton again, finishing his sixth man of the year for the SEC. You've got a great feature on him that you just mm-hmm. posted if you want to talk a little bit about that. But he's, um, look, he, I, the one thing I'll say about Tari is I thought he deserved to be on the all SEC defensive team. He's probably the best two way player, if not one of the best two way players in the country. Um, but I, I understand how those voting things work. So like the SIDs are the coaches who vote on it. Well, we've got Tari six man of the year. We've got him on first team all SEC, so we'll give somebody else SEC defensive team. Like I, I get it. That's that's fine, but we all know that he's one of the five best defenders in the SEC. And LSU being the best defensive team in the SEC, they probably deserve somebody on that list. Yeah, shameless plug here. I just posted a story on, on Tari, so go read it. I'll be checking the link clicks. The sh- the shameless plugs, the positive spin Harrison. Yep. You're learning so well. If you just stop coughing, we'd get you we'd uh, get you there. It's the, yeah. it's the last step. Trying. So that that block or the block paired with the coast to coast slam or that lay in that that's got to be a front runner for play of the year. Yeah, it was awesome. That that's that's the kind of winning plays that I remember in the Louisiana Tech game. Remember when Tari took over the Louisiana Tech game? It was a, it wasn't the first time he took over a game. It was the first time we saw it 
in a contested stage, right? And it was like this this kid's got that it factor that when you get to March and you make a these these players that quote unquote come out of nowhere. Um, Tar Eason is known across the SEC. He's certainly known at LSU. He's known back in in Seattle and Los Angeles, where he's from, as you wrote in your story. He's got a chance if he makes those kinds of plays to be known across the country in March because he he's the kind of guy who can make a play on either end of the floor that changes a game and leads the March Madness highlights and gets you to a Sweet 16 and everyone's like, look at Tar Eason, the story of March. Like he's got that juice to him, and I, I'm. Tremont did it a couple years ago with the game winner against Maryland. Um, I'm excited to see Tari on the stage because I think he's a guy that shines on the biggest stage. Yeah, I know Will said on your podcast, I think in November, that he's always been an overlooked kid. He's He's got a boulder on his shoulder, not a chip. Um, and that's really dating back to his sophomore year of high school when he was getting limited minutes. Um, but every one of his coaches saw it in him that he was this special talent. It was like this head-scratcher. Why is he not getting minutes? He's just an elite athlete. He's, you know... When he got his due, he was scoring forty, you know, forty points on among the best players in the country, among yeah. the best players in Seattle. So it's good to see him, you know, an overlooked guy start to get some of that due. He is overlooked no longer. And my favorite quote about Tari so far has been what Will said about, you know, when most guys when they have success they stop working as hard. It's been the opposite for Tari. The more success he's had, the harder he's worked, which is probably why he's being. I so tweeted successful. that yesterday. Yeah, that's yeah. a. That was a great quote. Look at you plugging your tweet. Like, you're really, yeah. you're coming along. See, I'm making up for the cough. Well done, young Jedi. Um, all right. So, we've kind of out or, or overlooked the SEC tournament. And we'll, we'll see. Like, I, I think you and I may get together after some of these games if LSU starts having some success. Maybe to a, discuss uh, them. a Twitter space? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on that idea yet. I think it's a good idea. But it just depends. It's, games are at kind of a weird time. And uh, I'll be honest, if LSU doesn't win a game, I really don't want to come on Twitter Spaces and talk about it. I'm just being transparent here. (laughs) But if LSU does win a game, I'd love to talk about it. So we'll kind of play that part by ear. But I feel like we've got the SEC tournament sort of covered. For LSU, it's a decent draw early. If you get an Ole Miss or Missouri, I think they can beat Arkansas. The Auburn one's really tricky. Then you get to the final, and who knows? It could be Tennessee. um, could be Kentucky. Man, I would love, like just zooming back for one last look at the SEC tournament, I would love – for LSU to beat Ole Miss, to beat Arkansas, to beat Auburn, and to beat Tennessee to to win this whole thing. Like, you want to talk about a revenge tour? That would be a lot of fun to see. So that's my wishful thinking. That's my March Madness hope. Uh, I'm not predicting anything with this team because I just can't. I can't do yeah, it. Yeah, last time I checked, CBS and, and Jerry Palm had to sit a five seed in the Midwest. While, wow, five. Yep, and Lunardi had us as a six uh, out West. So... S- so let's talk about that. I want to talk about. Let's end okay. by talking about the seeding and where LSU could get if what they you, if they win the SEC tournament. Like I just said, they're going to be a four or five seed. Like that's and I don't know if I necessarily want a four. Or five do you prefer seed, a five honest. or a six? I got. I oh, got Yeah, because you avoid the twelve five historic matchup and you play the one seed later, right? Yes. Okay. I think a six or seven is a great spot for LSU to end up. And as we know, LSU always gets underseeded, so they could probably win the whole SEC tournament and end up being a six or seven, which would be great. Um. That's an ideal spot for me because you get a it's the it's if you want to make a run, the six seven has a better chance to make a run. There's math on this somewhere. I, I need to go find it. There's math on the number of seeds that make a run. Do you have it? Are you trying to hold uh, in a cough? No, Is trying. that what you're doing? Uh, you're pointing at the mic. I thought you were pointing at a reference. Go ahead, let it out. Come on. This will be edited out. I don't know. I mean, I may leave it in. There's math somewhere on the 
percentage of seeds. And while you talk next, yeah. Um, since I was going to filibuster for you while you were coughing, you so can filibuster for me while I look up the seed. Twenty-one and ten overall. We've got six quad one wins, sixteen in the net, seventeen. We, we've been like so consistently in that sixteen to eighteen range in the net, even through like the peaks and valleys of our season. Yep. Um, seventeen in Kempom. So there's definitely some opportunity to improve this week in Tampa. I definitely agree. The 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 six is what you know what we would prefer. Okay. Um, and and I have the data to prove it. And okay. here we go. So, a uh, a six seed makes the second round sixty two percent of the time. That's about the same as a five seed, which is sixty four percent of the time. Sweet sixteen, a five seed is at thirty three percent. A six seed is at thirty percent. So it's negligible. Here's the big difference: elite eight, a five seed makes it six point four percent of the time. A six seed makes it ten percent of the time. So you're thirty six percent more likely to make it. Uh, from the six seed. Now, a four seed makes it 15% of the time, which is nice, and probably because they're winning that 1-4 matchup there. Um, but it's there's there's math to prove like and even this the difference between a six and a seven like a six makes it 10% of the time to the elite eight a seven only makes it 7.1% of the time so that six spot is uh, if you're trying to thread the needle is a really good spot for any team to be especially LSU because What's, you can get some of these three seeds um, you know and to go to the sweet 16 it's uh, kind of like LSU did with Maryland where that was a battle. Like th- those games are typically battles. What's the type of team that you think matches up well with LSU? So when the bracket comes out, you don't have to give like a team name, but like the the, the type of team that LSU met, would match up well that would, you know, allow them to kind of make a to the I, second. Weekend. I think LSU does well against uh, defensive minded teams like them because I think they can just suffocate you offensively um, or defensively. They can suffocate your offense, and then they've they've got enough streakiness in them as scorers, especially in in big game settings where days can get hot and kind of get things rolling. Uh, ESPN has LSU as a six in San Diego against Michigan Mm-mm. while we're on the revenge tour. Well, yeah. Um, and let's see where CBS has them. CBS bracketology. Jerry always has LSU a little bit lower than, uh, than ESPN. So I think you said a five. I said a five you? last time I checked. That was they are, the, right now. They're a five updated March 9th, which is today, this morning, a five in Buffalo against Iona. Who I think LSU played in the 2006. They played Iona one year under. John I think Buffalo's in the. It's weird because Buffalo's in the Midwest region, right? No, I'm talking about they play Iona. This, they would be playing in Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo's in the Midwest. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. And then Providence and Chattanooga would be the game opposite of them. Chattanooga, of course, just won in dramatic fashion in the SoCon. That's where Will Wade used to coach. So that'd be. There's some interesting story. There's always interesting storylines yep. in March. Look, I'll end on this because I got to wrap up. Right. I got to wrap up because I got to. I don't have a meeting after this. I have. You know, I always have meetings after mm-hmm. we do our podcast. I don't have a meeting after this. I have a a Zoom call, which is slightly different from a meeting in ways that I don't really care to go into on this podcast. This is what I love about March: is meaningful basketball. I grew up in Baton Rouge where meaningful basketball in March was typically experienced by pulling for Duke, which was the team that I loved as a kid. For LSU, some years they were in, more often they weren't. It was that cycle of up and down. Last year, getting that meaningful March experience back felt really good. Two years ago, um, when it wasn't canceled because of COVID, meaningful basketball in March was a lot of fun. It's just so much more fun. Whether you're a one seed and you've won the SEC championship – or you're a nine seed and you've a ten seed and you snuck in as an at large like Florida's trying to do. Um, it is it is fun to look at that bracket and start thinking of ways that your team can make that run. And LSU's in that spot. It's an exciting place to be. Yeah, I'll piggyback off that on uh, the topic of meaningful basketball. So I was sitting at my seat 
all alone because Madison was having some computer issues in her office. Yeah, sorry to hear about that, Madison. Um, I've heard about those. And I was looking at my camera roll of just, you know, the Tennessee game, the Kentucky game, even the Ohio game early on in the season. I took a photo of the, the crowd at the Bama game, and I was looking around at this packed arena, and I said, I literally said to myself, like, build it and they will come. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a testament to Will Wade and his staff. It's a testament to, you know, marketing, the hard work of people here at LSU. So um, it was definitely bittersweet walking out of the PMAC, and um, the PMAC is, is is definitely here. I mean, the, the program is definitely here to stay. The three letters that, uh, that we all love most around here, well, first there's LSU, and then there's WIN. Yep. And when LSU is successful in winning uh, across sports, we get support, and it's exciting. And it's been a fun spring across a number of sports. It's been like when I was just to, to wrap things up by going full circle. When I was at Disney, it was like constantly checking my phone on baseball scores and softball scores and, uh, you know, obviously basketball and women's basketball. And just it's that constant feed of LSU and uh, to be beach volleyball. All these meaningful competitions across the landscape for LSU has been super exciting. And to be in March for it to be March Madness, it's a great time of year. After a season with half capacity and very limited fans, I thought the Deaf Dome. The Deaf Dome was back this year. Absolutely. All right. Check out Harrison's story. Check uh, it out. LSUsports.net. I'll do this uh, this time, Harrison, right. since you've coughed in twice now. I twice, can't, I can't you know, I'm afraid you'll cough. 30, 40-minute show. That's not bad. I'm afraid that you'll cough as we're doing the exits. But, yes, please rate the podcast, review the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, unsubscribe, resubscribe, share with your friends, tell them about Boot Up. It's March. We're going to be doing uh, as many of these as possible, hopefully after many an LSU victory and, uh, and quite a few fun runs. So uh, until next time, we'll see you next time. This is March. That was a weird way to end it. Until next time, see you next time. This is March was much stronger. And the final call. That in. <laughs>